I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! He's the fastest man on the planet. He'd have got there, rabbits. Yes, yes, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we are back with a, another, I guess, extended part of Teamless Tuesday. Obviously, I'm pretty quick to get my initial reactions out on a Tuesday, but I thought we'd shake, shake things up a little bit on a Wednesday. Um, I've brought in Joe from the Park Footy Podcast to sort of give us a rundown as to the outflows and the ripple effect of Teamless Tuesday. It's going to be a bit of a longer podcast. Uh, for anyone that doesn't follow uh, the Park Footy Pod, they are on a bit of a hiatus now, but I will let Joe uh, introduce himself. Joe, how are you going, mate? Good, mate. How are you going? Good, mate. Good. Thanks for coming on. No worries at all. No worries at all. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, so, yeah, obviously, uh, I was part of the Park Footy Podcast there for a couple of months. Uh, we started up a page on Instagram, at Park Footy Pod. Last couple of weeks, we've been on a bit of a hiatus. Uh, you know, life gets in the way here and there. And when you're trying to fit work and uni and watching eight games of footy a week in, uh, it can get a little bit tricky. But we're going to try to get on top of that and get back into it uh, as soon as possible. But for now, I'm going to try to come on here uh, on the Supercoach Whisperer podcast every Wednesday. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not easier on the pod or a page. I didn't realize that before starting my own. But look, it's, it's good. It gives the, the guys another perspective of footy. Uh, you're not just some, some bum on the street either. You're doing pretty well overall, aren't you? Well, I mean, to most people, I'm a bum on the street, even to my parents. But here I am, uh, super coach wise. I'm not doing too bad this year. Uh, round five, I got uh, 232. And then the overall score, I'm 397. So not going too bad at all. No, so putting up putting up some pretty good scores. And, and it's been pretty consistent all week round. Uh, like you touched on, Wednesdays are going to be more of a, a more of an in-depth chat about Teamless Tuesday. And the repercussions we have on Supercoach. Obviously, the first game of the week, I think a lot of people are eyeing this one off. Four captains' choices. It's the Broncos and the Panthers. But the two big talking points I want to discuss are Jordan Rickey, Tessie New. Um, I've made it no secret that I'm very, very high on Tessie New. Put him in my origin side. Copped a lot of backlash. But it looks like the axe has been swung. He's been dropped completely. And Jordan Rickey's been sent to the bench for TPJ to come on. Obviously, you were pretty critical about Kevin Walters and whether his job is going to last. I'm starting to pretty question it, mate. Nate, I'm sitting here with a big smile on my face. Yeah, Kevy Walters, what do you say about him? Um, I think that Broncos fans were in disarray last year and didn't quite know what they were getting themselves into by asking for somebody like Kevin Walters to come in. I think there's a few sort of issues in the front office as well. And uh, it's not just the talent on the field, because, I mean, you look at the players and the, and the roster that they've got there in Brisbane, and they should be doing so much better than what they are. But, um, yeah, Kevin Walters has gone out there and he's made a few, uh, swung the axe a bit, and he's made a few changes that are a bit of a head-scratcher. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a defensive sort of matchup thing. Uh, I understand that Tessie New isn't the, the greatest defensive player, but look, we brought in Jesse Arthurs to, to mark up on William Kickout. I think Kickout's going to have a field day. And that leads into our next point is Jerome Luai. Is he, is he the 5'8 to have? Like, obviously, in people's dream 17 at the end of the year, you're going to have two 5'8s. But I guess the choice now is whether you're going to run um, Luai Walker, Luai Munster, or Munster Walker. Uh, look, I think Luai 
is doing enough to solidify himself as the guy you must have in that Penrith side on that left edge. He's gone from averaging 62 last year to fifth to 85 this year. Look, I don't expect it to be that high, but I definitely could see him being the more pot option out of the three of them. I know you're a Luai owner, but uh, are you, obviously you're very happy with the output. Is he in your team for the rest of the season? Look, uh, just so all your, your listeners know, I'm the biggest Panthers tragic you'll find. Uh, I've followed him for about 20 years and I'm an absolute tragic. Uh, but when it comes to Luai, I was incredibly harsh on him for the last couple of years, uh, especially coming through. I was always a big Matt Burton fan. always thought that he was the one that was going to take that position. Um, and obviously Luai's come through in the last couple of years. And I think the way that the game has gone, the way that Penrith have really stacked their left edge, um, and just the way that Jerome Luai gets those tackle busts by just running across the field. And uh, he's got that footwork. He's just got players like a, a kick out and a Stephen Crichton either side of him. Um, he's a player that you, I think is almost a must in your team at this point. Yeah, just looking at his scores, we've gone 79, 94, 46, 128, 79. So even on a quiet night, uh, 46 is, is the worst we're going to get from him. And look, I think we'll take that. The Panthers are all coming up though. It's the Broncos, the Knights, the Seagulls, the Sharks, the Titans. The Bunnies, that's probably the, the toughest game, but then you, you go back into the Bulldogs, the Tigers, the Sharks, and the Roosters. So, look, two tough games in the next nine. So, look, I think Luai, if you're going to get him, I think it has to be this week uh, as the break even so low. Otherwise, I think you're going to fall into a David Fafita mold where he's just going to be too expensive to pick up. Uh, obviously, he's the trade I'm making this week to get him in. But um, as for as for the rest of the Panthers side, Brian Toto, I think, is the best bang for buck winger going around in super coach. Matt Burton's done a pretty solid job for guys that have held him. Uh, Dylan Edwards isn't too far back either. Stephen Crichton at the back, though, I think he's been a bit, bit of a flop. What do you what do you make of the, I guess, the experiment to put him back to fullback? Look, I fell for the trap. Uh, obviously saw Stephen Crichton be moved to fullback when they were versing, I think it was Manly. Was that the first game that he played yeah, fullback? Yeah, I, think it was I guess Manly. Manly. And uh, yeah, for me, I fell for the trap. I thought you beauty rubbed my hands together, knew they had Broncos coming up as well. And I jumped on him and he's been a bit of a tragic. Uh, I think he had 29 points the first week that I had him and then 40, uh, 40 odd last week. So uh, experiment hasn't gone too well. They do have Charlie Staines there, who I think is probably a better option in fullback. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him get a bit of a run. Uh, even last last week, I saw Charlie Staines come across and play fullback in attack and then in defense, go back across to the wing. So I think that uh, Ivan Clear is just, trying to work things out. We obviously know Dylan Edwards is going to be back in round eight. So for Stephen Crichton, he's not a player that I'd go near. I think he's about 400K at the moment. He's going to continue to drop. So if you see if he gets around about mid 300s, uh, that's maybe some a time that you'd look uh, to bring him into your side. Yeah, look, I, I was I was keen on the Crichton trigger. I didn't jump on because I had other pressing issues that week, but I was close to pulling the trigger. But looking at hindsight, yeah, Charlie Stanton at, at fullback, maybe Paul Momorowski, on the wing and, and putting Stephen Crichton on, keeping him on the left, but maybe moving Matt Burton to the other side probably looks the better move in hindsight. But yeah, for super coaches, if Charlie Staines were to be named at one, I think that's all guns blazing. Another person that we're going to talk about wearing the number one jersey comes from the Knights and the Sharks game. And it's Callum Ponger, obviously, but I guess it's the time as to when to buy him because we know that he is priced at an average of over, over 70. It's probably a little bit too high to pay now over 700K for Callum Ponger, but he showed uh, glimpses of his best on the weekend, didn't he? He definitely did. In defense, he was absolutely woeful. Uh, as the last line of defense, man, he's got to figure some stuff out. Um, I think for KP, he's one of those players that, unfortunately, he's just in a position that's so stacked. We've obviously got Pappy there, who's an absolute must. And I'm looking at somebody like a Latrell at the moment who just seems to keep pumping out those numbers, and we know how good the Rabbitohs are. So he's going to be in a winning side nine times out of ten. So I think even Latrell's pushing his way up there. Uh, obviously, Gutho's been scoring tries in abundance uh, throughout games as well. Uh, but yeah, there's just such a hard competition in that fullback position. I'd be definitely waiting at least six weeks on Callum Ponga. 
get his match fitness back, get his game awareness back up. But look, in terms of the defense, mate, when David Feeder breaks through the line, I'm not going to look at tackling him either. Yeah, mate, if I tried to tackle him, I would end up in the third row for sure. So I'm not going to throw too much shade on old KP. One more talking point from this game is, I guess, Mitch Barnett, people are quick to jump and selling him after one poor week. But if we look at the scores, it wasn't a game with the middle forward scored overly great either. Um, so, look, Mitch Barnett, that combo with Kalen Ponga looked good at times. Um, it reminded me very similar of 2018, Kalen Ponga, Lachlan Fitzgibbon. I think Barnett personally is a hold until Fitzgibbon comes back and then um, he might get shifted to 13. So I'm not too sure about that. I would be waiting and seeing how Adam O'Brien incorporates Lachlan Fitzgibbon into the side. Do you own Mitch Barnett? I do have Mitch Barnett, and he's currently sitting at around 600K. Uh, For me, the biggest worry is the fact that the Knights have looked terrible the last three weeks, and they've got such a hard draw coming up. They've obviously got the Sharkies this week. Uh, Not an overly hard match, but we saw what the Sharkies did against the Roosters there for about 70 minutes. Uh, Then they've got the Panthers the following week. Uh, I think the Eels after that. So uh, it's just some tough games coming up ahead for the Knights. And I think for Mitchie Barnett, the fact that he's sitting around 600K, um, he's definitely an option to sell, uh, but I'd be very, very wary about doing it. I guess the problem that I'm looking at Mitch Barnett is like, who's going to replace him? If you own Crichton and you own Fafita, there's not many others knocking down the door for that price range. I mean, we can look at Jazz Tavunga if he's going to get long-term game time at 13 with Adam Fnall-Blag out. We can look at Tohu Harris as well. But apart from that, I'm not seeing a whole lot of standout candidates. I guess the one good thing for the Knights is the trips that they're getting coming back. Bradman Best, Jacob Saifidi, Kurt Mann all come back into the fold, which is definitely going to help. Obviously still missing a fair bit of their backline and Mitchell Pierce, but I think getting troops back through the door, the Knights are going to have a little bit more to show for it. I don't like the Sharks in this game at all. Just from the, the news that Morris has, has walked out in a, in a weird, dubious way. I think the Knights can come back and, and hopefully Mitch Barnett can crash over for a few meat pies. The next game, probably the game of the round on Friday night, the Storm versus the Roosters. And the talking points that you and I have put down here is just to not captain Pappy or Tedesco. I think it's going to be a pretty tough matchup. Um, maybe best case scenario, looking 80 points for either of those two. Are you looking at captaining... Um, I know that you own Pap, so are you looking at Captain Pap? See, for me, mate, I was one of those guys that didn't jump on Pap as the captain for the first few weeks where he was absolutely killing it, and I was super, super sad. Uh, last week, jumped on it. Obviously, was very happy with that. But I think you're going to find that a large majority of people are still going to be on uh, either Teddy or Pappy for this game. And I just don't think that they're either of the options that you should be jumping on. I look at somebody like a Jerome Luai against the Broncos. That left edge is going to be on absolute fire. Even Brian Toto. Um, but for me, I usually base my captaincies around the matchups. Uh, so I, I look at a Storm Roosters game. I know that that's going to be a tough physical game. I know Pappy's not going to be running through the middle and scoring an abundance of tries throughout the game. So for me, I'd, I'd rule the, uh, the red line through both of them and I'd be looking at some easier games there. Obviously, the Bunnies have got the Tigers as well. So uh, you could look at a Latrell, um, something like that. But yeah, Pappy and Teddy, not for me this week. This game reeks of like a 10-8 after full-time. You know, want to see like a game that just is separated by, by a penalty goal and, and maybe one or two tries. So I don't think the attacking output's going to be there. I guess we could touch on the whole Tedesco saga. Uh, I know that I made a post on this, uh, whether he's a sell. I think if you were going to sell Teddy, the time was two weeks ago uh, when, he had, when he was priced over 900K. Luttrell was still under 600. But I think if you're looking at selling Teddy now, the, the ship may have sailed. I know that the Roosters have a fantastic draw after this week, after this tough matchup, and then it opens up for them. So I think if you're going to sell Teddy, the time has has passed, unfortunately. If you if you were a Tedesco owner, are you a Tedesco owner? Sorry, mate. Uh, I got rid of Teddy two weeks ago, like yeah. you said, and yeah, moved him across the trail. So yeah. if, you were, if you were to still have him now, would you just hold looking at the draw that he's got coming up? I think uh, they play a lot of the bottom eight sides. And then just with the price, I mean, 
He was 880K. I think he's down like 760 now. So like you touched on, mate, if you're going to sell, I think it was two weeks ago, but I don't know. If you, if you still own him now, are you looking at getting rid of him or just holding firm? Uh, I think the fact is that you've lost a fair bit of money if you are going to sell him now, but he does have a break even of 150 for this week, which is very concerning, especially against the Storm. Um, obviously, we saw the Roosters struggle there against the Sharkies last week. I uh, thought Sammy Walker was massively impressive and uh, he sort of boosted Teddy's stats as well. But this week, I, I just... I see Storm going out there and you said that you thought it was going to be a 10-8 score and I think that the, the Storm are going to win quite comfortably, to be honest. Um, so yeah, for me, I, I'd even still be considering it, I suppose. I, I think you could look at somebody like a Sammy Walker to bring in your team if you haven't already. He's obviously going to make about 130K next week. So if you brought in a, if you got rid of a Teddy and brought in a, a Sammy Walker into your 5-8, you're going to be clearing up a ton of cap and you could bring in a gun in other positions. It's just the way that your team's set up and uh, if you're going to be willing to take that massive hit next week in the price drop as well for Teddy. Yeah, I think Sam Walker's a must-have. We didn't touch on him because I think it's pretty obvious that, that you, you, you've got to pick him up, don't you? Scores of, of 80 and 90-odd. Now, I guess the, the big thing with Sam Walker is, is he a reserve option this week or is the matchup just going to be too tough? This is the exact question that I'm going through in my head at the moment. Um, I look at somebody like a Stefano Yutokamanu from the Tigers. He's going to be starting this week. Um, if you've got him on your bench, I think that you might even chuck an R on him. He's been really, really impressive the last couple of weeks, and he's finally got the start there. But um, in terms of Sammy Walker, last week didn't really have the points there until the last probably 10, 15 minutes where he had, what, two try assists and a try himself or something like that in the last 15 minutes. So um, for me this week, I'll probably steer away from the, the reserve on, on Sammy Walker, I think. Yeah, me too, mate. It was either Sam Walker or Spencer Lenu. With Moses Leota copping a bit of a knock and probably carrying that into the game, I think I'd prefer Spencer as a reserve option. Sam Walker, I think it was on minus four last week after 40 minutes without the try assist and then obviously exploded in the last 10 minutes. So I think it's a bit rocks and diamonds with Sam Walker. Um, if you play him, you look like a wizard, but if it, if it all goes to, to shit, then yeah, you, you wear that. Another man that could all go to shit, Tommy Turbo, back for the, for the Manly Seagulls against the Titans. Look, exciting times for Supercoaches, exciting times for footy fans, but... We just need to wait and see on Turbo, don't we? Big time. He, Turbo is such a worry. Like, you don't want to go out there uh, and move, say, a Latrell or somebody that you've got in your team, even a, even a Teddy at this point. You don't want to move them for a Turbo and Turbo play one and a half games and then get injured and you're burning another trade to get that player straight back in. I think it's a sit and wait, see how they go. We obviously know the Seagulls have been very, very sh uh, shaky the start this season. Uh, Titans have been in red-hot form last week, put an absolute number on the Knights. So uh, I'd see how Turbo goes for the first few weeks, see how he's looking, uh, see if they do move him into the centres. There's a lot of rumours going around about that at the start of the season, that he'd be moved into the centres uh, throughout the season. So yeah, we'll see how we go. Now I'll put this to you. Let's say Teddy goes off for 40 and his first game back, Turbo goes for 120. Do you pull the trigger then or do you still hold, hold tight and wait? Oh, mate, that's a good question. I mean, if Teddy goes for that, he's going to be dropping... Some serious, serious, serious cash, yeah. If you can do a straight swap for him and Turbo, I think you maybe consider it. Um, and that's just the fact that, you know, Teddy's going to, one, obviously go back up in price at some point. So you can sort of grab him then. You know, Turbo's going to go up in price if he's scoring that much. Um, both are probably pretty likely to play for New South Wales this year as well. So that's another thing to consider. Now, the the Supercoach King, Jason Saab, obviously scored a try, but only scored 45, <laughs> I guess. That's just the kind of player he is. I, I understand that the try wasn't with a line break, so that's, that's only 17 points, but 45 points for Jason Saab. Bit of improvement from him. Do we see these attacking chances opening up with, with Tommy Turbo? A lot of people were happy to pick up Saab at the start of the year, thinking that Turbo would feed him ball. Are we more confident with Saab now? I think you're more confident with every Manly player if Turbo comes back into this side. Um, a player I think I'm even more confident on is the Josh Schuster. 
I think Schuster's going to get a lot of quality ball. I think he's been really impressive in that second row position. I think he's going to hold that position down for the majority of the year as well. Uh, in terms of Saab, look, I think that the difference between his top score and his bottom score is just too drastic to have him in your team. Uh, if you have an AE as well, he's just too much of a liability. You're going to cop that you know, in nine points or whatever it is if he doesn't score a try. Um, yeah, look, Saab is a really hard one. He's one of those guys, obviously, he's incredibly cheap at the moment, could probably make you a bit of cash, but it's just too much of a risk. And for me, I think there's better options out there. Saab was my saving grace two weeks ago, mate. I had the VC on, oh, he went off for 128 or something. I was looking at VCing him, like looping him, uh, and I saw Saab scored four, and it, uh, it persuaded me not to do it. And then Pappenhausen scored 197. So, look, Saab will forever go down in the greats in my book for, for saving me the heartache of looping Toto. Um, but I guess two men in the back line for the Titans who have been impressive. Um, Brian Kelly, obviously a fan favorite of mine, a, a great pod shout in the centers. But another man that my club, the Tigers, let go, and Corey Thompson, who is, I think, just the poor man's Brett Morris. And he's doing a fantastic job at that. He's just scoring tries for fun, putting up great scores. Uh, center wing fullback, you would be playing him in your fullbacks for classic. But look, a lot of people are looking at Thompson this week, and I'm not too against it. It's just, um, it's just he needs those tries, but he's playing on that strong edge. That's it, mate. And for me, I'm somebody who tries to avoid having wingers in my side just simply from the fact that it's just so up and down. You just don't know what you're going to get. Whereas I go into the week and I look at my players and I know sort of the rough scores that I'm going to be getting and I, I can know where I can improve and where I can't. And wingers just are so volatile. You just don't know what you're going to get from them. But Corey Thompson's been massively impressive. Uh, even when he was at the Tigers, he was really impressive. He's really good. I feel yeah. sorry for the Tigers. The Tigers fans sitting there having to watch it. But I think a lot of the attacking stats for the Titans really falls on uh, the number 13 in Tyrone Peachy. Uh, obviously, a dual position. You can play him in the second row. You can play him in the centers there. And uh, for me, he's a player that I'm, I've got my eye on to try to bring him into my centers, into my center wings. Uh, I think he, if he keeps playing that 13, he could go out there and put up, you know, in average, what, 70, maybe even more. Uh, he's an absolute champion. And I think that players like a Brian Kelly and a, a Corey Thompson uh, are really getting the fruits from that as well. The one thing that worries me about Tyrant Peachy is his minutes. Now, the first couple of weeks, he played 49 minutes, 44 minutes off the bench, but I don't think that changed too much. Uh, played 43 minutes the next week, had some attacking stats and got 79. So his scores so far have been 55, 58, 79, all under 50 minutes. And then injuries happened the last two weeks where he's played uh, 58 and then 80. So he played 80 minutes last week. That was, I think, with um, with Philip Summy going down. So he shifted into the centers and scored big. So I'm just not too sure the minute output that Justin Holbrook's going to put him through with his full side on the on the field. Like looking at this, he, yeah, like I said, 49 minutes, 44, 43. And then injuries happen. He's played 58 and 80. So I, I'm i just not keen to spend 489000 on Tyrone Peachy when, look, he's probably a safe 50, but what happens when he, he starts playing less and less uh, minutes? So, look, I don't, I don't hate the pick. Obviously, being dual position, you can put him in the center wings, which is fantastic. But for me, I think the ship may have sailed. He was a fantastic purchase at 400K, but now nearly 500. I'm happy to, to miss the boat on Peachy. I think the other thing as well is the fact that Anthony Don uh, has a few questions around him at the moment. He should be good to go. I'm not sure if he's... Has he been named this week? But if I he's not this week... I don't think so. I think he should be good good to go next week. But the fact is that if he's not there this week, um, and like you were saying, if there's any injuries in the back line, Tyron Peachy is just going to have to go back to that back line and that just absolutely destroys the super coach score. So um, I think the, the curse of Tyron Peachy is the fact that he's so versatile and he can play in so many different positions. Um, it's the that kind of just never syndrome, know. isn't it? 
Exactly. You never know what position he's going to play. And Connor Watson's a perfect example as well. I know there's so many people jumping off him, but the fact is he's not going to be in 5-8 again this week. He's going back to lock. So I think that Watson's probably a bit, you know, you could probably still hold on to him. There's probably a bit of cash in him. Whereas the Tyra and Peachy, you just don't know. It's going to be so volatile. And um, like we're saying, last week we saw the top of the top, 101 points, I believe he got. Uh, but then you can have games where he gets 40 minutes in the centers and he's going out there and churning out 30s and 40s. Yeah, look, I, I had Connor Watson as a definite sell this week being named at 5'8", but with the mass changes that happened, like obviously Jack Little being dropped um, and like just shit hitting the fan, Ryan James not being named, I needed an, another reserve. And Connor Watson back at 13, he has a break even of 68. Yeah, I understand that's high, but what worst case, Connor Watson at 13 is going to put out 60. So we're only going to lose a tiny bit of cash. As for the Anthony Don debate, like who comes out for him? Because Philip Sami is playing well, or obviously an origin star. Patrick Herbert, the near recruit, I don't see them dropping him. Corey Thompson's playing exceptional. And Brian Kelly, who's probably their, their best player in the back line. So, look, I understand Anthony Don's a cult hero, but I just don't see where he's going to get the game time to come back in. The fact is the Titans didn't even want Anthony Don last year. Don ended up offering the club that he'd stay, uh, he'd stay there with them and give him his services for minimum contract, and that's what he did. Um, so I think for the Titans... It's a great signing, his depth, but the fact is you've got too many talented players there in that position and he's just going to end up becoming a backup, I think. I think the Titans are much better when they uh, had that full squad out there and Anthony Don misses out, unfortunately. Yeah, I think Don's a fantastic guy to have in the club, probably just not, not to start. Uh, one man from Manly I want to touch on. There was huge raps on him coming through. He's got to start because of injury. Uh, Tamuel Olakata, Al- too. Um, I've butchered he that did very well. No, he <laughs> did very well, mate. <laughs> Look, he, he showed glimpses last year of his best. Um, did a little bit of a stint in New South Wales Cup this year, but injuries to Jack Gasecki, uh, Curtis Sirinan, um, obviously Josh Schuster, who's playing out of position there. Guys like Zach, Zach Sadler and Ben Trevojevic probably just aren't there ready for first grade yet. I think he's priced pretty high right now, Hemuel, but uh, definitely one to, to watch. I know there's huge wraps coming through on him. He's another bloke who doesn't realise how big he is, though. I don't know if you watched some New South Wales Cup this year of him playing, and uh, he has glimpses where he realises that he's an absolute man mountain, and then there's glimpses where he has the T-Rex syndrome and he just doesn't realise he's as big as what he is. So it's, it's, um, it's Billy Army Kickout 2.0 then, basically. Billy Army Kickout. Apart from this year, I mean, Billy Army Kickout this year just knows he's huge and runs over the top of people, but years gone by, I'm sure as a Panthers fan, it's so frustrating to watch him. Oh, mate, especially when you've got players like a James Fisher-Harris who aren't nearly as big as him and he, they're taking the hard carries out of their own end. And Kikau only ever seems to touch the ball when we're about 20 metres away from the trial line. So uh, oh, yeah, line a, little, a little bit frustrating. <laughs> yeah, big, big time. Corey Norman fever, mate. Mate, probably the two biggest captain options this week outside of the Penrith game, Latron Mitchell, Cody Walker. They take on the Tigers here at Stadium Australia. I think this could be a bloodbath, personally. I mean, Latron Mitchell is just hitting strides left, right and centre. Um, and Cody Walker's back from that suspension. So I think there's going to be a, a cricket score put on here. Uh, Asu Kapoa comes back into the side for BJ Lua. James Roberts is um, is not teaching kids how to tackle at any clinics these days. So I, I'm worried for people that don't own Luttrell or Cody Walker, which is myself. I tell you what, as a Tigers fan, sitting there and seeing your centers options and bringing AJ Kapoa back in, who has been absolutely awful this year, seeing somebody like a, a Paul Momorowski be sent off to Penrith must be such a heartbreaker. I have no idea what the Tigers front office is doing. I, I understand Dane Laurie's been revolutionary this year, but the fact is you're already going to get him next year. You've given away probably your best center in the club. Like it just doesn't make any yeah, sense. Yeah, I mean, but what, what does it say about Paul Momorowski though? If we gave him away last year for a bloke that we were never going to keep, um, and then we've just we've just palmed him off again this year. Look, I understand we probably could have held off, but we had no one to really play fullback. So, look, I, I'm happy to give Dane Laurie the year of experience, but when we're having to line up with BJ Leilua, 
uh, James Roberts or, or Asuka Poa. It's worrying. I mean, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Tommy Talao. Um, so hopefully when he's back, he is named. But yeah, big talking points here. The number nine, Jake Simpkin comes in for Jacob Little. Um, it's it's pretty clear that Little wasn't great fantastically. I think he has the third most missed tackles in the comp. Um, the Sim- there's wraps on Simpkins coming out out of his ass. And Stefano, Otoi Makano, comes into the starting side. Joe Offahengiawi, another one that played well starting. Luciano Lua. Look, forwards-wise, I think the Tigers have a very good forward pack. I mean, Tamiya provides something. Uh, he can provide a good stint to start, start the game. Simkin, obviously, a fantastic rookie coming through. Stefano, Joe Off, Luciano Lua, Alex Twile. It's, it's not a bad forward pack, but it's let down by that, that outside back combination. Oh, definitely. Tigers have a terrific forward pack. And the fact is they've still got somebody like a Sean Bloor to come back to it as well. Uh, the fact that Stefano spent what the last five weeks not starting and he's a definite starting caliber forward at the moment uh, just goes to show you the depth that the Tigers do have. Um, as for Little, I think it's a little bit unlucky for him. I think Tigers have been pretty terrible regardless. And Little's been in attack the bright spot. Obviously, defense hasn't been terrific for him. But uh, Jakey Simpkin, they, I think he's the leading try scorer in New South Wales Cup at the moment, which is just Super impressive for a hooker. Uh, he's got so many wraps on him. He's going to be, what, bottom dollar cheapy at about 173K, 178K or whatever it is. Um, so, he, yeah, that's somebody I think a lot of people are going to be looking at. But I think something that you need to uh, be wary of is the fact that, one, uh, Moses and Byers on the bench at the moment, so you never know if he's going to come in for hooker. And Jacob Little's still named as 18th man. Uh, so if he goes onto the bench and then they end up splitting the minutes and they get 40 each, neither of them are a viable option in my opinion. Well, that's, that's the next question I was going to post. I'm holding Little. Um, I want to have a look at Simpkins. I want to wait and see for Sam Verrills when he comes back as well. Another cheapy option we can put into Hooker um, or even Harry Grant if he drops enough in price. So I'm going to be holding a little, hoping that he stays on the bench. That means we get two weeks to look at Simpkins. We get two two more weeks to look at Grant. Uh, Verrill shouldn't be too far away either. So look, I don't think we should be pulling the pin on Simpkins so quickly, but definitely one to have in the in the radar. As for the as for Souths, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big Dan Gagai fan. He's been in my side for a couple of weeks now, performing well. Campbell Graham was pumping at 50s without tries and gets a try last week and gets 70. I guess one man that you're happy to see the back off as a Panthers fan and Supercoach has just plummeted off the cliff, Josh Mansour. Um, getting glimpses of his best, but he's just not getting enough ball as he was at Penrith, is he? Oh, absolutely. And I believe uh, Mansour's moved, moved to the other side as well. He's playing on the right rather than the left. Last year was obviously on the left there outside of Kikau and uh, Jerome Luai and Stephen Crichton. Uh, and then obviously this year he's moved to the right side and Rabideau's really like playing down that left-hand side there with uh, Alex Johnson and Dane Gagai. They've been incredibly dangerous there. Latrell moving across being a bit of a playmaker. And um, yeah, for me, I even look at somebody like an Alex Johnson and I think obviously you need him to score tries, but the fact is that the Rabideau's game plan is so heavily on that left-hand side and the combination between he and Latrell is incredible. Um, I'm not sure exactly how much uh, Alex Johnson is. I think if he goes down in the next couple of weeks, that's even an option for you. Um, but yeah, Luttrell has been incredibly impressive. Cody Walker, he's coming back into this side. I think he takes a bit away from Luttrell in terms of super coach. Obviously, he's going to be doing a lot of the playmaking. And uh, Luttrell last week, we saw him have his hands on the ball a lot, a lot more. Uh, but this could be an absolute cricket score against the Tigers. I think the thing about Mansour is, apart from Brian Toto, there wasn't anyone that really liked to do a shit hit up at, Panth- at Panthers last year. I mean, Stephen, sure. Crichton, Stephen Crichton isn't doing a shit hit up at all. Like, don't ask him to. But at South, like, you've got Gagai, you've got Campbell Graham, you've got Johnson, who are all great ball runners out of their own half. And that, like, Mansour could be getting two touches a set at Penrith. Now he's only getting one, maybe. Um, and he's just not, he just doesn't seem to have that explosive tackle busting ability as he did last year. So I think they're bad things for Mansour. I wouldn't be looking at him at all for Supercoach. But as you said, Alex Johnson, 
the problem is he needs tries. If he doesn't get tries, you're looking at 25-30. So you have to ride the highs and the lows. But, I mean, he scored, what, four or five last year in one game. So we know that the output can be there. Cody Walker, Latrell Mitchell, I think they're going to tear this Tigers, part of, Tigers side apart. And they're probably the two best captain options outside of the first game this week. Next game, we see the Raiders take on the Eels. A man that I wanted to talk to you about is Caleb Aikens. Is he a trap? I think so. We look at his output from the Panthers last year when he filled in. Wasn't fantastic. He didn't crack he didn't crack a 50 once looking at his scores, and he played one, two, three, four, five, eight games. He played eight games last year, all starting at fullback and didn't hit 50 once. So I wouldn't be looking at Caleb Aikens too heavily to fill in this chance of a clock for that role. I know he's available at center wing, but yeah, I'd be I'd be avoiding hard. Yeah, I'll give you a hot tip as somebody uh, who's watch, who watches Penrith incredibly closely. Uh, while Caleb Aikens will go out there and he'd be very safe for you under the high ball, he'll go out there. I think he's had a number of games where he's ran 300 meters or more, which is, you look at that and you think that's incredibly impressive. Fact is, in, in attack, he just doesn't have a whole lot. Like he will run a fair few meters, but it's usually from the kick returns. You'd never really get a line break. He's never going to get you any proper attacking stats. He's just not flashy. And he's just one of those players that's, you know he's going to go out there and get get you a job, but he's never going to go out there and you know bust up the line, have a bunch of line breaks, have a bunch of tries. He's just not going to have that. And the Raiders are going to severely miss uh, Nickel Clockstad for this week. Mate, I'm having a look at his stats from last year through eight games. He had no scoring points. He had 20 creating points. So I'm assuming that would be uh, two line break assists. And he had one. He had 14 points in evading. So I'm assuming that is one line break himself. So yeah, look, it's it's pretty damning in eight games. He had two line break assists and one line break himself. In that game where he had the two line break assists, he still only went off for 39. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't be looking at Caleb Aikens too hard here. His scores are not flattering at all. Maybe in the Raiders' side, it looks different, but even Chance doesn't do that much ball playing or, or creativity. So, I think Caleb Aikens has trap written all over him, mate. Yeah, and that's it. I don't think it had anything to do with Penrith. Like, obviously, we know what Penrith were last year. We know what they are this year. He was playing in a side that had plenty of attack. It's just not his game. It's just not how he plays. And I look at the Raiders and no offense to the Raiders, but I, I don't see look, the way that they play. They don't use their fullback as a uh, as a ball player as much as Penrith do with Dylan Edwards. So you would think that Caleb Bacon's going in there and taking uh, the position of Dylan Edwards last year, he'd have a bunch of attacking stats. But if he can't get attacking stats in the Penrith side, I, I can't see that changing with the Raiders this year. You hit the nail on the head, mate. It's not it's not a it's not a system thing. Dylan Edwards averaged over seventy last year, and Caleb Bacon's averaged thirty three. So um, yeah, look, I, I wouldn't be going near him. Not not even a bottom dollar, and he's priced at like. 300k, I think. Apart from that, there's not too much to talk about in this uh, Raiders-Eels game. We could maybe touch on Ryan Madison. I don't think he's going to play again as well. We saw this last year. He had six weeks on the sideline. Um, but Isaiah Papali'i beat one of the signings of the season. Mate, how, if, you, if you didn't sell Ryan Madison the first week and then you didn't sell him the second week because you thought he was going to play and you, you've already held him you know, in, for that first week, if you got to this week now, surely you get rid of him. He's just like... The amount of money that he's holding on that bench there, the uncertainty around him, the fact that if he comes back and gets flicked in the, in the temple, he's going to be out for another, what, four or five weeks. He's just a player you've got to get rid of. You, you're probably going to find that if he does come back this this year, he might have a few scores of 100 or, you know, and it's going to make you pretty sad to see it. But having somebody in your side that you just don't, you can't count on week in, week out, and you don't know what's going to happen, and he could go off the field at any time, it's just, it just spells trouble, and you're just never going to be anything in Supercoach if you've got a few of those players in your side, in my opinion. Mate, the minute he went down, I told everyone that he was a sell. And I got, I got, a, I got a couple of messages and they were valid points. And that they were asking, why is Ryan Madison a sell if he's only out for one week, but Angus Crichton's a hold when he's suspended for one week? It's because Angus Crichton is, is definitely going to come back. Like Ryan Madison, there was no guarantees he was coming back after a week. 
Um, there's no need to bring him back either. I mean, if you if you were struggling heavily, then yeah, I understand bringing him back in. But Isaiah Papali'i um, did fantastic, and people are going to laugh. But Bryce Cartwright did a, did a job last week as well. Uh, played big minutes, bigger minutes than I thought. Um, so I think depth at the at the Parramatta Eels isn't an issue, and I don't see any any need for Nathan Brown to uh, sorry Brad Arthur to rush um, Ryan Madison back into the side too quickly. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The way that the game's played these days, uh, I, I look at somebody like a Bryce Cartwright, and while he's a bit of a meme and everybody takes a piss out of him, the fact is the way that he plays in terms of having that arm free and looking for the offload all the time, where he runs across the field and he has all those tackle, I, I say quote unquote tackle breaks, uh, for Supercoach, he could be anything. Like He may be a bit of a meme in the actual NRL, but Supercoach-wise, he certainly isn't. Let, let's have a look. First game back after a hand injury. First game back after probably the confidence was shot out of him at the, the Titans. Played 50, 53 minutes, 49 points, 51 in base, minus two, yeah, minus four in uh, errors and two in evading. So, look, he got no attacking stats at all and still pumped out 49. So, look, Bryce Cartwright, if he can, if he can continue to play 49-ish minutes, I'd, um, I'm definitely looking at him, but... I want to see what happens when Ryan Madison comes back and Isaiah Papali comes in because we've obviously got like Will Smith and Keegan Hipgrave. So I think they're going to drop out and, and Cardi will stay there. But yeah, look, I'm, I'm happy to see Cardi back. I, obviously, we want to see him back to his his best. So um, hopefully that he can get some minutes and he could be a viable option for super coaches. Some more, I guess, viable options. A lot of people are talking about Bunty Afoa from the Warriors. I'm not seeing it personally, but um, I know that, that a lot of people are high on him. Have you looked at Bunty at all? Mate, one of my best mates uh, brought in Bunty Afoa the other week and I've changed his name on Messenger to Bunt. Uh, I had no idea why you... Like, I just don't understand. I think it's a very sideways trade from pretty much anybody that you're going to be swapping out. I think it's a burn of a trade. I think I look at the Warriors and I see how many injuries they have. We don't know exactly how secure his job is at the moment in that starting position. If he goes back to the bench, yeah, sure, he scored a few tries this year, but fact is, mate, like it, he's not going to be scoring those tries all the time. And I just think that... Uh, for a player whose job security isn't great and has scored a few tries, so it's inflated his score. He's just not somebody I'd look at. So first week, he played 25 minutes and scored 53 with 20 parading stats. The next week, he played 15 minutes and scored 21. The week after that, 28 minutes scored 24. Then obviously with the injury to AFB, he played 57 minutes and scored 55, 53 points in base. He is 280K, so I do see the potential upside there, but he has to be playing big minutes, doesn't he? Like we, we looked at this... If he can play over 50 minutes, I'd, I'd be looking at him at 280K. But just the way that Nathan Brown uses his forwards is weird. I mean, Jermaine Chanel Brown started uh, at the start of the year, was only playing 20-odd minutes. Uh, but we had someone like Elise and Armia coming off the bench playing 40. So I just want to have a look and see how Bunty goes with um, with these minutes. His break-even is 25. So even if he scores 50 on the weekend, that's only uh, another 70K or so price jump. So, I mean, no, it's not even that. It's only about 50K price jump. So we can still pick him up at 330K. I still think there's, there's merit in picking him up then, but I just want to see how these minutes increase rather than taking a punt on him now. Another man that's, oh, it's going to be a little bit controversial because the position is so stacked, but Matt Dufty. 
Um, doing wonders, did wonders last year, averaged 65, but came home last year averaging a Mozart. This year started off with a 71, scores of 70, 41, 76, 54, 115. Um, the, the Dragons don't have a too bad of a draw. I mean, they play the Roosters and the Storm in the next sort of 10 weeks. But apart from that, yeah, they've got the Bulldogs twice. They've got the Broncos. They've got the Tigers twice. They've got the Sharkies. They've got Manly. Um, they've got the Warriors as well. So it's probably a move that will make or break your season, picking someone so left field. But price at 570K is, is the cheapest of the fullback options. And at 71 average, you're not going to take, you're not going to turn your nose up at that, would you? For sure. And you hit the nail on the head there. He's definitely a pod move. Um, I think if you were to trade out from him to like, sorry, if you were to trade out from somebody like a Latrell or somebody that is a keeper to try to get a Dufty to make a bit of a pod move, I think it's something that you might regret. Um, whilst you know, and you can go out there, it's going to be a bit of a point of difference. The fact is that he's probably not somebody that you want as your end game. And are you really going to burn a trade again? It, it just comes down to your game plan. For me, I'm going out there. And if I'm ever going to bring in a player, it's going to be because they're a keeper or because they're an absolute bottom dollar. And I know they're going to make a ton of money. And in a couple of weeks, I can trade them out and then upgrade again. So that's the exact reason to why I haven't brought in Isaiah Papali'i because I'm now starting to assemble my side. I'm starting to assemble my best 13. And then going to start assembling my best 17. And I don't see Isaiah Papali'i being in my best 17 at the end of the year. So I'm, I've already burnt two trades every week. Um, so I'm now, I've now burnt 12 trades. I don't want to be burning more unnecessarily. So I'm going to start bringing these guys. But yeah, look, if, if Dufty is a guy that you want in your side, I would be having a look at his jaw coming home. He's got South, the, Raid, uh, South, the Roosters, uh, the Panthers, the Canberra Raiders. So a tough run home. And that's key for you, head-to-head players as well. If you're playing overall, it's a bit of a different strategy, but playing head-to-head, coming home, have a look at your last sort of six or seven matchups and Dufty's aren't great. So I just wanted to bring it to attention because he is averaging so well, um, but maybe not as, as a viable option looking in the long term. For sure. And, and that's another thing Another thing that uh, you got to sort of look at is the fact that if there's a team that has a really easy draw between now and the next 10 weeks or so, you've got to consider that that draw is going to even out. So they may have the tough end of the draw at the back end where it's going to count the most. So if you're going for head to heads and you've got a cash comp or you're just in a comp that you care about your head to heads um, at the moment, I think it's just important to get those, those keepers into your team, having enough sort of uh, space to be able to fill in players when you have the buyers in New South Wales and not have to, sorry, in state of origin and not have to make too many trades around that area then, but still try to get your team set now. So then at that, ba- that back end, you are set. You've got those trades there just in case, um, but you are aware of that draw at the back end as well. I think it's just so massively important. And I just don't think that there's many super coaches out there, um, especially who are new to the game that take that into consideration. And that's, that's a lot of the criticism I received about suggesting selling Teddy. They were like, people were like, oh, well, of course he was going to score crap. Latrell Mitchell and Pappenhausen had the easier draws. But that's the exact reason as to why you looked at selling Teddy, isn't it? Like you look at the competition, you look at their draws and you're always going to pick Latrell Mitchell up because of the draw. Like, I, I think it's a pretty, pretty silly argument to say that, oh, of course one player is going to score better because they have the better draw. But that's exactly why you look at players, isn't it? Oh, for sure. And as well, you look at the team around them as well. Like I look at a Pappy and I look at a Latrell. And I think that they're better options simply because I think that one, their teams are going to win more games Two, their matchups are going to be better across the year. Uh, Then you look at a Teddy and you look at all the players that they've lost 
Uh, you look at the matchups that they're going to have. I look at games like we look at last week. You would assume that they were going to just put a, an absolute flogging on the on the Sharkies, but they go out there and they struggle for 70 minutes. So you look at those games that you would have assumed that Teddy's going to go out there and put up massive numbers, and you look at that differently now. So um, depending on how you see Teddy, depending on how you rate the Roosters and the players that are around him, um, you mean this this week is sort of the last week that you could sell him. So if you want to sell him, I'd I'd be really doing a bit of research into it this week. But you look at the way these, these guns play as well. Like if you look at Pappy, for example, Addo Carr or George Jennings makes a break. They look on the inside. Pappy's there every time, isn't he? Like, and that was Absolutely. that was that was nailed on the head by that ridiculous try that Pappy hasn't scored, where Jennings put the kick on through the infield. So maybe look at as to how like Latrell Mitchell isn't going to do that, is he? Latrell Mitchell's going to more put the man through the hole, whereas Pappy's just going to be there to, to finish it. So I guess it's all about balance and as to how you want the your team to, to make up because Teddy and Pappy. It, two of the best support players in the comp, and they're always going to be there for those attacking chances, whereas Luttrell is going to be pro- probably laying on more um, more attacking stats than those two in the final third. Definitely, and Luttrell's going to be always a part of uh, backline movements. He's going to be one of the last to touch the ball, so he's either going to get a try assist or a try contribution, whereas uh, you look at it, somebody like a Pappy or a Teddy, they're usually finishing things off. Uh, while they'll have a hand in it, I think Pappy probably a bit more in terms of his uh, ball playing. He has a bit more of a hand in those backline movements than a, than a Teddy does. Uh, but obviously, Teddy just gets so many of his points from those evading stats, uh, from those stats pushing up through the middle and being a, a pure support player. And that's why uh, Will Kennedy's been so good this year. He, he's obviously the last set of hands that touched the ball in that Sharks um, attack. It's, it's generally going to go Townsend, Moylan, Kennedy, and then he's either going to go go through himself or he's going to put someone else through. So look at the way teams play and, and look at look at why a player is scoring so well. So I don't think it's any surprise that Will Kennedy is scoring as well as he is because he is such, such a focal part. But the last game of the week, the Cowboys versus the Bulldogs, there's three talking points from here that I want to cover. The first looks to be a pretty popular trade-in who I'm under, not really understanding. Uh, it's Ben Condon. I have him as a trap. I'm not looking at him at all. Uh, what, are your, what are your thoughts on Condon, mate? Old Condon, mate. The uh, funniest last name in the comp, I reckon. <laughs> look, 183K or 185K, I think he might be. Um, look, I'm, I'm a bit of a sucker for players like that that are going to be starting. Uh, I think the fact that the Cowboys are versing the Bulldogs this week, Bulldogs have been absolutely atrocious, specifically defensively in their halves. Um, I'm not sure. Is he going to be running at uh, Flanagan this week? Is he on Flanagan's uh, side? He lines up on the right-hand side, so no. No, no yes. Okay. Maybe. I don't know. He's, he's no, on the right. On... I, I, I know he's on the right. If he's on the right, he won't be going up against Flanagan. So that sort of, I guess, dampens it a little bit. If he was going up against Flanagan, I'd be jumping on him every day of the week. Oh, Flanagan's we what, defense. We, we saw what Kikad did to, to Flanagan a couple of weeks ago. See what so. Eddie, everybody does to Flanagan. He's just defensively, his awareness is terrible. But um, the fact is, again, bottom dollar cheapy, a player that's going to make you a bit of cash. If you've got some players uh, on your bench there in your second rows that you're not really using, like I look at somebody like a Bailey Sirenen who's obviously got injured. Billy Magulius, who hasn't quite got the minutes. So in saying that, I think he's going to get a few more minutes with the uh, injuries that Sharkies have got. But anyways, those kind of players, even a Jordan Ricky, who we know has gone to the bench, you can save a fair bit of money there and bring in a Condon and make a bit more cash there as well. I'm just not saying it, mate. Like he played 80 minutes last week. He scored 35 points, 39 in base, minus four in, in negatives. So he scored 35 in 80 minutes. He then played 49 minutes on last weekend, had, had a try and a line break. So take off that, he's down to 32 points in 49 minutes. Like, he just looks to be a plotter. He, he, he just looks to be a guy that is not going to do too much. He, I don't think his security is fantastic either. We've got Gilbert and Dunn to come back as well. Tam Lolo's back into the side. Like, I'm, I'm just not seeing it. I, I think this one is going to sting some people. I hope I'm wrong. I hope people make some good cash on him. But 
he's just uh, for me. It's I think he's there because he has to be, not because Peyton wants him to be there. I'm, I'm, not, you go. So sorry, mate. I was going to say he's not somebody that I would specifically go out and try to bring in. He's more of a player that, for example, if you were trying to get on the Harry Grant train a little early and you're bringing out little. And then you had to take out somebody from your second row, for example, or you had a player there that's making a fair bit of cash, like a Jordan Ricky who's nearly at 400K at the moment. Um, and you needed that extra cash to be able to move your, your Jacob Little up to a Harry Grant. Then that's an option to bring in a Condon because you know that he's one, obviously you're going to be able to fit him into your team. And two, you're going to make a bit of cash on him as well. So I think that, if you're not that is the only, on him, that, that is the only reason why I do not fully hate this because I understand people are going to go Ricky to Condon, Little to Grant or Little to Cook. Or, or little to um, read Marnie. So I'm, I'm not against it there, but I think if you're trying to target Ben Condon, there is just, I'm not going to say better options. There's just, I, I wouldn't be doing it at all. One man that I guess was a trap at the start of the year, but had a fantastic game last week, Jack Avarillo. Is this the Avarillo we're going to see moving forward? Do you think he's going to be a viable option to bring in? Or do you think that was just maybe a once-off for, for Jack? Oh, mate, you would have been very happy seeing a big Avarillo go out there and put up some big points after getting rid of him. Um, look, Avarillo, if he was on another team, I'd be slightly, I guess, intrigued. But I think the fact that he's playing on the Bulldogs, the fact that the Bulldogs have just looked woeful, I just can't justify it. Like, I, I look at these teams who I know are going to go out there and they're really going to struggle for wins throughout the year. And I just, I kind of avoid those teams, if I'm honest. Like, I don't think I have any Dragons players in my team, even though we know the Dragons have been doing incredibly well this year. But um, them, the Bulldogs, I don't think I have any Bulldogs players. Like, there's just a few teams there that I would really avoid unless they're an absolute standout in their side. And Avrilo is just too up and down for me. I mean, I'm looking at this draw. They don't play the first bye week, which isn't great. But North Queensland this week, which is good. The Sharks next week, which is not good. Paramount of the week after, which isn't great. The Sharks, which isn't great. The Raiders, which isn't great. The Titans, which isn't great. The Panthers, which is shocking. After the bye, then we've got the Dragons, the Paramount Eels, Manly roosters uh bunnies so I, yeah the draw i mean any draw that the, the bulldogs are going to feature it is going to be great this year but the base didn't change from the first three weeks um it was just the scoring creative innovating stats that went up so yeah look i think i think the the reason why people are talking about this is because he does have that center wing eligibility but i feel like now is the time to start bolstering your center wings you, you need someone like a brian Toto, someone like a brian kelly or dan gagai one of those middling range players campbell graham is another one so I think maybe the ship sailed. If you held an Avarillo this long, fantastic. If you were like me that sold him after the first two weeks, then I don't think you're going to be losing too much sleep over this. One man that didn't play great in his first week was Jason Tamalolo. Um, coming back now, named at 13. Look, how, how are we going to evaluate Tamalolo? Like, what's going to happen with him and Todd Payton? Do you see that the, do you see that the, the, the cows are desperate to use him as how we know him as? It's going to be very interesting because, I mean, Todd Payton came out and made it pretty clear after that round one loss against the Panthers in the press conference that uh, it was his decision. He's going to make sure that the team does what he wants. Uh, and he was really stressing the point that Tom Lalu wasn't going to be seeing more than, what, about 55, 60 minutes a game this, this year. Um, but for me, it's just I look at Tom Lalu and I look at the way he played that game. I don't think it had – obviously, we know he didn't play too many minutes. The minutes that he was on, yada, yada, yada. I understand that on Todd Payton's side. 
I see the the biggest problem with Jason Tamalolo is that he just didn't look interested against Penrith. He looked like he was upset, looked like there was a bit of a rift going on between him and Todd Payton before we even knew that there was. And there was just a lack of effort from uh, from Jason Tamalolo that we just haven't seen over the years. So whether or not him having that injury and then seeing the Cowboys have a win last week and there's a bit of a good feel around the club, whether or not he comes out there and absolutely puts in a massive effort against the Bulldogs. Uh, but for me, looking at Jason Tamalolo, I would back away this week and maybe the next couple of weeks just to see how it goes. Uh, I think he'll probably lose a bit of cash there as well over the next couple of weeks just because of how poorly he started against Penrith. Um, but yeah, unless he goes out there and absolutely blitzes the Bulldogs this week, this week, which is absolutely a possibility. Mate, look, that's the thing. Like The, the minutes for Tamolo, 2017, he played 63. 2018, he played 64. 2019, he played 64. 2020, he played 61 and played 50 minutes in his first game back. Look, it's, it's a 10-minute drop-off. Yeah, I understand that. But the PPMs went from 1.1, 1. 1, 1.2 to, to 0.72. So you hit the nail on the head there, mate. The, the workload just wasn't there for Tamolo. I understand people want to say the minutes, but if he was still putting up a respectable PPM, so what he's done career high, he still would have scored 55, 60 points, which is low for Tamolo. I understand that, but it wouldn't have been 36. It just He just didn't look interested, like you said. Hopefully, um, the club morale is a little bit better. Um, they've gotten rid of Josh Maguire, who by the sounds of it, was a bit of a cancer on the club. So, look, yeah, there's, there's definitely things to, to cheer about if you're a, a Cowboys fan. I think you're getting a Tommy Dearden next year as well. So, definitely some some positives, but you need your star man to be playing big minutes and and having the, the output he's going to have. Like, you're not going to be paying him a million bucks a year to to be a ball player. Um, this is why I think you and I have both said he needs to be playing in in the front row or playing, playing like a front row and just running through the opposition, running for 300 metres a game. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, when after that round one uh, performance, I copped a lot of backlash from saying that he uh, didn't go out there and perform and that he did lack effort. And everyone was sort of backing him up saying like, you know, it's only round one. He doesn't have to be doing this and uh, he should be able to play as many minutes and yada, yada, yada. People comparing him to Australian bowlers and I don't know, just some absolutely terrible comparisons. But at the end of the day, it all just comes back down to Tamalalu. If you're going to go out there and play like you usually do, great. Super coaches are going to jump on you. If not, then you're just not you're not an option at this point. There's so many good second rollers out there, and so many players that you can get uh, for better bang for their buck. And like you're saying, that uh, points per minute is just uh, it tells the story, doesn't it? Yeah, I definitely want to be looking at Tamalolo. I mean, got the Bulldogs this week, the Raiders next week, the Warriors the week after, the Broncos the week after. So there is an okay draw for middle forwards. Um, doesn't play the first bye week, which isn't fantastic. So we could maybe look at getting him after that. One more cheapie that I just quickly remembered. Back to that Sharks Knights game, Teague Wilton. Now, are we jumping on Teague Wilton? Are we happy with his security? Because I know uh, if we look at the Sharks line, number thirteen, uh, number seventeen, Sivitalikai is back in the side. Um, I don't see Wilton lasting too long in the starting side, mate. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And obviously got Wade Graham there as well. Uh, there's just there's so many players there in the Sharkies forward line that uh, I I just can't see him holding his position. I think if he didn't jump on him last week. Um, then yeah, this week, probably, probably not really worth it. Again, a player who, uh, his job security is just not there. I think the name, I just feel like there's these players who just randomly come out of nowhere and they're going to like, they have a pretty big performance, you know, they're going to make a bit of cash and just everybody jumps on them. And I think as a super coach, you need to know when to jump on them and when not to, and what players to jump onto. Uh, and it all just has so many intangibles and variables as to why you would jump on them. And Teague Wilton just doesn't have those. Yeah, you don't need to jump on every cash cow that becomes available, do you? Like, I didn't jump on Josh Schuster. Um, I held Matt Moylan, which, like, I haven't lost too much cash on that. Like, Schuster is going to make more cash in the long run. But I dumped Moylan this week for a very similar price to what Schuster was. Saved the trade there. Wilton, 
mean, yeah, he's put up some great scores. He went from 250K to 315K and he'll go up again even more this week at a minus 20 break even. But you're getting him this week for basically one price rise. I don't, I don't see it being a viable option. There's a couple of cash cows here. I mean, Jackson to Pine, we can, we can touch on quickly before we wrap up. Josh Jackson being injured. Do you reckon that opens up some more minutes for Jackson to Pine? Um, look, they've obviously got Luke Thompson come back. And I think Luke Thompson's probably their best forward, to be honest. I think he's incredibly impressive. So I just think that he's going to gobble up those minutes. And then Josh Jackson's going to come back at some point. And uh, I think Topine's going to be the one that I, uh, where's, where's the brunt of that, unfortunately. I don't know. I look at Dylan Arthur, who's played absolutely sweet at Hall. I'm trying to stall for time so I can pull up his profile. Yeah, I mean, Dylan Napa has played 16 minutes, 23 minutes, 35 minutes, 45 minutes, 35 minutes. So, I mean, Dylan Napa isn't playing big minutes. Uh, I think Offahegi Ogden isn't playing fantastic minutes either. So, I think um, Barrett rates to pine pretty highly. If he didn't, he'd probably be picking someone like a Joe Simpson to, to back up. I know he's got exemption to play a bit of hooker. Um, he's only one injury away from taking that starting nine position. I mean, Jeremy Marshall King is out. Uh, our favourite Sonny Katoa is the first hey. choice. Is the first choice hooker. So if he gets injured, I think there's big opportunities for Jackson to pine. I brought him in last week. Maybe I'm just trying to see the light at the end of the tunnel. But my plan was always to bring to pine in, have him sit there for four or five weeks, and then move him on for a Sean Bloor. So hopefully those minutes open up. If not, he'll be a slow burn and a tough AE. But mate, that is round six undusted. Obviously, like I said yesterday, was a five, 10 minute roundup of Teamless Tuesday. But every Wednesday, we're going to be doing these, going a little bit more in depth, looking at some captain options. Um, I'll still be running the standard Supercoach preview tomorrow. But yeah, joined by Joe for the first week. Everyone be nice to him. He'll be around for, for a little bit. Uh, thanks for coming on today, Joe, mate. No, no worries at all, mate. And before, before we go, I just want to grab your tips for this week. Um, what I'll do is I'll keep a little record of your tips. I'll keep my tips as well. And we'll see how shocking we can go. We know that we did the uh, the best bet on the old Park Footy podcast. And that was a fucking absolute... <laughs> I, 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 I cared my multi as well because it just, it was becoming embarrassing. Mate, if you want my tips this week, uh, we got Panthers to beat the Broncos. We will go the Knights to beat the Sharks. We will go the Storm to beat the Roosters. The... Oh, the Seagulls to beat the Titans. <laughs> we'll, we'll, go, we'll go upset there. We'll go the Ra- the Rabbitohs to beat the Tigers. We'll go the oh, the Raiders to beat the Eels. We will also go the the Dragons to beat the Warriors. And oh, do I, I don't want to tip this game, but we'll go the, the Cowboys to beat the Bulldogs, mate. How about yourself? Oh, mate, that last game is going to be an absolute shocker. Um, look, I'm going to go Panthers over Broncos by about 400 points. Uh, I think the Sharky is going to beat the Knights. So that's a different one that we've got there. Uh, I go the Storm over the Roosters. I go the Titans over the Seagulls just to be different again. Uh, Rabbitohs over Tigers, another absolute cricket score, I reckon. I'll go Raiders over Eels. Obviously, we know that Dylan Brown's going to be missing there for the Eels. I think the Eels are in a little bit. Of, it's going to be very interesting to see how they bounce back. Mate, Will, Smith, Will Smith is the king of Parramatta. Oh, mate, if you think I don't like Sione Katoa from the Bulldogs, fucking Will Smith is right up there as well, my friend. <laughs> Um, I've got the Dragons over the Warriors and I'll go the Cowboys over the Bulldogs. So we'll keep we'll keep track of that every week as well and see if we can actually crack like three out of seven or, or fuck three out of seven, three out of eight or uh you know and see how we go with that. And and give me give me your captain choice for this week for Supercoach, mate. Ah, uh, mate, I'm gonna go Jerome Luai this week, I think. Um, just straight C, no VC, just just straight up. I never loop. I literally never loop. I just think it's too dangerous. It worries me a lot. It just gives you another thing to think about. Um, I'm going to go, yeah, first game of the of, of the week as well. I'm going to go Jerome Luai, captain. No worries, mate. All right. Thank you so much, Joe. We'll, we'll get you on the next Wednesday. We'll, we'll do another roundup, but thanks so much for coming on, mate. Legend, thank you so much. Talk to you then, man. 
the, 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 that's all, folks.